0: Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore Podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. On this week's two-part episode, we are joined by Roxy Profit, VFX recruiter at Framestore Melbourne. And joining us this week as guest co-host is Harshil Tank, recruitment coordinator at Armand Studio. This was a fun recording and a wonderful conversation. Roxy has an incredible story. So please settle in and enjoy episode 26, part one of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Framestore podcast. Every two weeks, we invite both a guest from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guest's role, craft, or career path, and we let the magic happen. On today's episode, I warm them up by inviting our guest to the Framestore podcast daily session, our 13-question grilling, followed by Thursday's second part, where our co-host leads a deeper dive into why we invited them on the pod in the first place. Our special guest this week is Roxy Prophet, VFX recruiter at Framestore Melbourne. Starting out when she was 15 years old, Roxy always had the industry in her blood, whether it was volunteering on any film set she could or teaching teenagers how to make movies during her post-high school gap year travelling around Wales. At university, she founded a film festival society. Then, after her studies, Roxy started working at ILM as a recruitment and talent coordinator in the summer of 2015. Almost two years later, Australia came calling and she took a role as an artist manager at Animal Logic, Sydney, managing the FX, character effects, crowd, lighting, and compositing teams. Which almost brings us up to date with a move to Framestore Melbourne as a VFX recruiter at the beginning of this year. Our guest co-host this week is Harshil Tank, Recruitment Coordinator at our Mumbai studio. Harsh also joined the Framestore family this year. A recent graduate from the University of Mumbai, Harsh is keen to pursue a career in recruitment and talent management, so he's certainly come to the right place right here on the pod. Welcome to the podcast, Roxy and Harsh. How the devil are you?
1: Amazing. Thank you for having us.
0: (laughs) Thank you for having us, Simon it's good to have you both and arguably probably two two of our two of our guests with the probably the coolest sounding names as soon as i saw the name roxy prophet i'm like what that is the probably the coolest name i've come across And i've come across some cool names in in the past and 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 harsh tank i mean roxy prophet and harsh tank what you know what a double act this is uh this is podcast gold already
1: (laughs) i don't need to record anything else
0: exactly right thank you for listening everybody and uh join us for part two on thursday but yeah this is uh it's great to have you and uh much uh, i have to admit it's a uh, long overdue because we've been looking to get some folks from the melbourne team as special guests on the pod so uh, roxy you represent uh, a historic episode for the framestore podcast as our first of many melbourne special guests representing the studio
1: brilliant <laughs> no pressure <laughs>
0: So how are you? Uh, how are you finding life uh, in Melbourne, uh, particularly Framestore Melbourne? Because uh, again, you you joined in January, right, Roxy?
1: Yeah, um, just at the beginning of February. I actually work remotely from Sydney. Um, So I'm a completely remote um, employee for Framestore Melbourne, but Melbourne's amazing. And so is uh, (laughs) Framestore Melbourne. Um, They're such a wonderful team they've made me feel at home really quickly. And it's just, it's really easy to recruit for such a a brilliant background, even as a method studio and then Framestore.
0: Of course, indeed, indeed. And we'll talk a bit about your, uh, your route into Framestore as we get into the dailies, Roxy. Yeah, definitely. Um, but harsh, tell me about your journey as well, because you—you you mean you're even newer, newer than Roxy. You joined in
2: April, right? Yes, and straight on a podcast. It's lovely feeling that i have been like part of this podcast it's just like almost you know two and a half months where i have joined framestore but seems like how i have created a bond here at mumbai studio with everyone it feels like you know i've been here from almost six months or a year because already Mm. i've developed some relationships with people over here and hoping to grow more with framestore
1: that's a visual effects industry for you though isn't it you get you feel like you've been there for 2 months but you learn so much so quickly
0: yes <laughs> oh, yes my word. yeah I mean I still feel quite fresh having been here a year and a half you know and, and already it feels it feels like a long a long time but at the same time kind of short as well so it's a funny one to to try and explain really but uh but yeah it's good to have you both and and so nice to have two folks on the podcast who are you know I mean at Roxy you've got a, a great you know, um tenure in industry but in terms of being new to frame store um are two very interesting perspectives on the podcast today which uh, I'm, I'm super excited to hear more about and uh, in preparation for the pod uh, roxy you sent me i mean a bio that i mean i don't know whether we, we can cut it in uh, an hour and a half's worth of recording time because there's so much to unpack with your with your background uh, which again i'm sure we'll get into in harsh i know you've got lots of questions lined up for for roxy in part two um but you've traveled around a lot right i mean you were uh, i had no idea until i checked my uh, my gchat feed this morning that you were born in uh, in kenya
1: yeah um my dad's one for following his dreams so with five kids in tow we've we've traveled the globe uh, mostly in the hospitality industry so i've lived wow. in some beautiful and amazing places yeah
0: and is is that a reflection of your i guess you've traveled a lot in your career you know outside of your your family right is that almost inbuilt in you because of that
1: yeah i um i now have a welsh husband who has it in his blood a little bit he'd never left mm-hmm. his tiny little village and now he's Excited and ready for adventure, so sort of pass that on. Um, we're always doing something, even if it's a mini adventure on the weekends. I
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, could probably talk year off about Australia and the amount of things you can do here and how exciting it is. Um, but yeah, traveling is just something I've always done. Yeah,
0: that's so cool. And uh, I want to talk a bit about the bug for film because when uh, I was asking for or requesting guests from Melbourne, you were one of the first names that I got from Chris in, in the HR team. And he uh, talked a lot about your love for filmmaking and uh, you know, how you were just trying to kind of blag your way onto movie sets when you were a teenager. But where does that, that and, and we'll talk about all the film challenges and all the extracurricular kind of work you do outside of, uh, you know, working for a studio. But where does that bug, where does that love for film come from?
1: It's it's a weird one. Um, at In high school, you have to choose your subjects. And I was trying to do a double business with French because I wanted to travel, so French was the first step, and I was okay at it, Um, but it didn't work out with the schedule, with the different teachers and things like that, so I actually ended up in a fluke class, which was media arts, Um, and I loved it. I was chasing my friends around, dressed like grannies, making weird news reports. <laughs> um, we dressed up as like different band members to make posters and I haven't looked back since. And when I found out that's what I enjoyed doing, I literally volunteered for everything, every rural because uh, I was in the middle of Wales where there weren't very many um, companies. Yeah. There was no big studios. So anything that came to town, any flicker fest, any workshop, uh, I made the time yeah. where I traveled there. At one point, I think I caught seven buses to go and wow, uh, yeah. film this random documentary in the middle of a maze. <laughs> it, was wow. a maize maze so it was a maze maze. So it's a maze made out of m- m- mealies. Well, mealies is wow. a South African word. Corn. It sounds like yeah. a maze made out of bus
0: routes as well. I mean, I'm of I'm putting your your, yeah. your faith in the, the the bus timetable is pretty incredible. As well. Yeah,
1: I did have to call my brother at the time and be like, "I've missed the second bus. Please come get me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell dad." Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, is Wales home for you for a long time? Then is that where you kind of uh, kind of set roots? Or
1: yeah, so I did my high school years in Wales. Um, that's where I met my husband. We've been together since I was sixteen. Um and what we my my dad basically took on a fifty nine bedroom hotel in Mid Wales and he was sitting there saying, you know, you're gonna have to learn the language Welsh and I was he used to, you know, make lots of jokes. And I was like, oh, don't be silly, Dad. We get on a train or yeah, we catch a bunch bye. of airplanes. And we get there and he goes, I said to them, what are they speaking? He goes, Rox, they're speaking Welsh. And I mm. <laughs> quickly got thrown into that, learning the Welsh language and doing my GCSEs in Wales. So, um,
0: wow.
1: yeah, I was there for about eight years.
0: Okay. And yeah, fluent Welsh speaker? Learn the language? No,
1: I can write it. I always failed the orals.
0: It's a tough language to learn, right?
1: Yeah, I had to do my GCSEs and about three weeks before I was about to do my oral exam, my teacher said, would you like to just do the communications part? And I said, yes, please. So I have half a Welsh GCSE. I can do the written part or I can't anymore. It's been 10 years now, but (laughs) (laughs) I I tried to get ready for it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm going through the the, the kind of the, the kind of the historic bio that you sent me because I couldn't possibly pack that. There would have been a lot of takes in my intro if I'd gone through everything that you, you've done. And I, I do want to talk about the, uh, the, the 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 film you're trying to get off the ground as well in a minute. Um, and oh, we also want to save some of the, the content for breaks into industry because a lot of it, you know, the traineeship you did at Rural Media and your route yeah. into kind of companies ILM and uh, Logic, I think will be fascinating to talk about. But can we fast forward to... Because uh, you've got this great bio, then you finish it with, and I'm going to read it verbatim, because uh, there's this great bio, I'm not like, amazing, there's traineeships here, these amazing studios, been, on, been involved in Star Wars movies. And then right at the end, it goes, oh, I'm not, and I'm now taking on the biggest challenge of my life, breaking a Guinness World Record in film. I hope to create a 75-minute feature that breaks the highest body count in a slasher movie, with the Slasher Academy script currently being developed. I mean, it sounds amazing, and right up my street, I'm a massive horror buff. And um, you should listen to Daniel Mizaguchi's episode, which I think was episode two or three of the podcast, where he talks about his love for horror movies. So shout out to Daniel. Um, but yeah, I'm a massive horror buff, so tell me more, please. I'm all ears.
1: <laughs> um, As any film graduate, uh, I was looking for ways to, I don't know, come up with some way to get a really cool job. Um, so straight out of uni, I decided that my life goal was going to be two things. It was one to be on a Star Wars movie and two to break a Guinness world record in film. And at the time there were only seven Guinness world records in film. Uh, one of them was most directors on a film. The other was quickest film ever made, which was 10 days and 12 hours by a South African company. Um, and the other one was the body count in the slasher movie and I thought, Wow, that is just too much fun.
0: Aim high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. What is what who holds the record currently?
1: Um, a guy called Go, uh, Joe Castello, it's an anthology, Um, so it's about 12 movies, and you have to murder your subject with a knifed object, Um, so yeah, it's 155, the current record, Um, I'm aiming for about 170, Um, but yeah, it's eight years in the making, but I only recently, I say recently, two years ago, finally got a good enough idea. That is really? going to have a story that is just brilliant versus just kill, 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 kill. It's um, yeah, Slasher yeah, need... Academy, Hogwarts meets Hunger Games.
0: Oh, you know? nice! <laughs> I love that. I was going to ask a bit more context, but I think that does it. I don't want to don't need to give any more away because I don't want to be stealing stealing your IP. But that sounds awesome. Honestly, keep me posted. I will. So, yeah. have you got have you, have you had any bites, or are you are you are you be self funding it?
1: I'm self-funding it. I'm trying to shoot the teaser at the moment. Um, I I recently had a little boy, so he's now oh, one congrats. years old. Now no. I can kind of get back to normality a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping to get back into it and get stuck in again. But I have about, had about a year hiatus. Saying that though, I've been doing script development, writing yeah. budgets and things whenever I've not been
0: sleeping. So. Whenever a child <laughs> is napping, exactly. Brilliant. Well, I, I, I'm sure we'll hear more about that as well as all the cool film challenges you do. And uh, one more question before we get I open the dailies, because the, the dramatic sound effects is poised beneath my head and will drop with a Um <laughs> But you mentioned that you were in a Star Wars movie. Can I ask what role you were playing or what extra you were in the background?
1: Yeah, no, I wasn't in one. I was a small cog of oh. one. Um, yeah, I wish I was like, that would be top of my... Th- i'd love to be any part even a background actor which my face just slightly pops out of but yeah, no r- i mean roll
0: by. i mean in terms of recruiting the team and being part of, yeah being part of it right okay i misread that so uh, we can keep that in the edit it's fine it's still super cool
1: it's one of the greatest things about visual effects is, is being a part of that so at ilm the second show that i helped and supported with was rogue one and i got a credit on that and that mm. is that's for me, you know, hitting one of my major goals. That's awesome. I, although I'd love to dress up like an alien and get a lightsaber and someone teach me karate. One day. But yeah,
0: yeah. One day. One day. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you. Well, there's so much I want to talk about, Roxy, but it will, it's the podcast rules that I have to drop the, the dramatic sound effect. Uh, and Harsh, uh, like I said to you earlier, you will be involved in this conversation as well. Um, so let's unleash the dramatic sound effects and get into the Framestore podcast dailies. So unleash dramatic sound effect. And we're into the dailies now with all of the podcasts. I usually give away everything you're doing and who you are and where you are. But the first question is, as always, who, where, what, who are you? Where are you and what are you working on? Only if you're allowed to talk about it.
1: Um, my name is Roxanne Prophet. I am in Sydney, Australia, and as a recruiter, you get to be a little part of everything that the yep. studio is running.
0: Nice, nicely dodged. I love it. Well done, Roxy. <laughs> and uh, Harsh, I'll be remiss of me not to ask you who, where, what. You know, can you tell me who, where, who are you, where are you, and what are you working on?
2: Okay, so my name is Harshil Dank. I reside in Mumbai, India. And I'm a recruitment coordinator here at Framestore and yeah, doing recruitment for VFX and being part of everything like Roxy mentioned. Awesome.
0: Awesome. So it's very much a recruitment special. So any budding recruiters out there or anybody who's looking for work um, can enjoy this episode. It's a lovely theme. It's not just our big Melbourne special, but it's also a big talent recruitment special. So I'm excited to get into this conversation. Um, so we've established how long you've worked here, but I'm going to ask it again. You know, How long have you been at Framestore, Roxy? Do tell.
1: I've been here since February. I think I signed on to our, our HR portal this morning and it said five months and 17 days.
0: Whoa. <laughs> Flies by doesn't
1: it? It does. It feels like it just started yesterday.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to get into the questions proper now, Roxy, and we've teased some of this out already. But what's, uh, tell me a bit about your break. and we talk about break in industry? That can mean a whole host of different things. It's not just the first job on that kind of rung of the ladder or that rung of the career path. But what do you consider to be your break in the visual effects game?
1: I think I had in the visual effects game, I was going to say I think I had two in my film career, but the, in the visual effects game, I, out of uni, tried to think out of the box as much as possible. Um, and I applied for a lot of different roles with my CV and I thought I'd done a lot because I started when I was 15, but still got rejected quite a lot because it is still a large industry. And, you know, I wish I knew a lot about recruitment as I do now. Um, but I actually found out that one of my alumni at university was, uh, Brennan from, uh, ILM. And I thought I'm actually going to send her a personalized written letter and ask her if she would be interested at all in, you know, giving me a spot anywhere in the company. And she got back to me and I ended up getting interviewed at ILM for about five different roles before I finally got offered the talent recruitment role.
0: Wow. What was it about the talent recruitment role that appealed? Was it the only offer you got or did you have an interest in that particular field?
1: was the only offer I got. Um, I did, uh, I interviewed for a PA and a studio, uh, coordinator and things like that. Um, but as the lady who hired me, Jessica Bingham at the time said, she said she was trying to find the right role for me because there was a lot about me in these interviews and they found out a lot about me every time. Um, and she thought I'd be good at helping creative people move forward because that seemed to be my motto at the time and still kind of is
0: and it's a great it's a great sandbox working in talent teams isn't it i mean i think recruiters and talent acquisition specialists across industry a lot of them are kind of you know animators production folk like you get a real mix of people but they learn you learn so much about the industry by working on all of these different shows and all these different roles that are part of those shows I mean, have you found that? Has it been a real, yeah, because you've been at a few studios now. Have you found that being almost the the kind of VFX uni uh, of sorts that you've been through?
1: Yeah. It's a quick way to learn in recruitment, especially sitting in on interviews. You, you figure out this world that is the visual effects and animation world and yeah. um, all the stories people have to tell and all the different types of people. But you always learn something in every interview you're in, either from the supervisor or the artist that you're trying to interview or the production guys are great as well. Yeah. Um and then just even hiring for the facility teams, you understand a bit more about other studios as well as the uh, internal studios and our operations. Um, Before that, I used to be an artist manager though. So there was more hands-on getting stuck in with all of that and watching and being there for an entire employment life cycle. Um, And that's a a brilliant way to learn about our industry.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, And how, just out of interest so your career went kind of you know recruitment ILM to essentially being a department manager or an artist manager at Animal Logic for a good chunk of time what made you make the leap back to a, a recruitment role if you may ask?
1: Um, I think I get too involved with my artists I I love them too much so as an artist manager uh, I was looking after you know nearly 100 people at Animal and I really do love them and miss them so much but Mm -hmm. it was very much like I was going to sleep thinking about them and I kind of I cared a little too much so when I had my little boy I decided that actually I do need to focus on my family and and how they're functioning so I moved into recruitment really because I do have this network that I've been developing for the last six years in Sydney and um, I just got a brilliant offer from a boss Lindsay and she just seems so open and, and willing to have a very family environment for me and, and open to the fact that I do have a little one and that I might need to be at home in certain times and areas yeah. and my day needs to be a little bit flexible. So she she was completely open to all of that. So I thought I'd give it a go. And I think also recruitment – has a lot of opportunities like animal uh, being a department manager. There's a lot to it and there's a lot of other opportunities in the industry as well, but some studios also don't have department managers. And it's only recently in Australia that a lot of the studios are starting to get more and more of them, even the smaller ones. But before that, the role actually was a department manager and a recruiter. Sorry, I will flip between department and artist manager. They're both the same, They're things, the same
0: but, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good, but yeah, like you say, a great experience to yeah, really get under the skin of those those departments, and a great compliment to your experience as a recruiter, because then you get to come to Framestore with those both of those hats, you know, to really understand what goes on in those in those um, kind of spheres of influence, those spaces.
1: Yeah, definitely. You are hiring someone considering the department manager considering yeah. the feedback you're asking more specific questions about the departments that you've you know managed and grown. Yeah. Um, you're pushing supervisors a little harder to interview better and ask better questions because you know what it's like if if you do hire the wrong person and things like that
0: I think just in terms of credibility as well, right I mean it gives you that extra yeah yeah, yeah. Be, yeah believe it or not they wouldn't, but you know it just gives you an extra bit of sway like,
2: yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Love it. You've earned your stripes. Um, Harsh. Tell me about your route. How did you get into Framestore? Because I looked at your LinkedIn profile, and you're quite early on. I mean, you're fairly, you're a fairly recent graduate, aren't you? So you've worked in various a couple of recruitment roles. But what led you to visual effects? Because I, I, arguably recruitment in visual effects is quite different to any other industry. I think. I mean, I've worked in recruitment roles in the past, where it's uh, you advertise the role and you. You know, you fill it, you interview it and you fill it, right? Whereas in visual effects, you've got to be thinking three, four, five steps ahead all the time. You're looking at kind of all the shows that are accruing up. What made you choose that path rather than a traditional recruitment path?
2: So initially, like uh, post my uh, graduation from University of Mumbai, I started with my you know career into recruitment as I always had an interest you know uh reaching out to much people like understanding all walks of life of people and you know i I was always relating to people so i I just started as a junior talent consultant into a small consultancy firm and Over there, I spent like uh, my recruitment period of almost one year where I was, you know, uh, doing recruitment, but for all sectors, not like only specific VFX, but it was for different sectors like marketing, sales, finance, and into that as well, we had VFX. So, like initially, when I started, it was just like, you know, uh, a normal recruiter uh, having the JD of, you know, a, a specific role, like example of sales manager, and just going through the details and just pitching them. And it's mm-hmm. like just a normal R1, which we do. And uh, that once i started with vfx it was like you know i went into more depth like what visual effects is exactly how how a movie is made what efforts are made by artists yeah that we we just see that that shot is you know a four second but when we realize that you know a whole day has been made for that shot yeah so i understand that hard work the respect towards artist so once i started with vfx so initially i was handling few roles and you know i was doing hiring for uh, big studios but then i need to uh, initially i need to get brief about what exactly vfx is and how how the pipeline exactly works Mm post-production so I, I I took mentorship, obviously, I, I went through Google and, you know, some videos and just to get a better idea what how exactly it works. And obviously, if I need to, um, you know, interview an artist, I myself need to get prepared whether he, he should be, uh, you know, right person for our company or not. No, so that's how, like, I started, like, uh, into uh, animation and VFX. I almost like then uh, hiring for different roles from artistic to manager-level roles to production to tech. So every everywhere I had a little bit of contribution. Brilliant. So, yeah, during that time, I just realized that, you know... Uh, I'm doing good into this and at that time, you know, I got, uh, got to know about Framestore and I, I was approached for a recruitment coordinator role and obviously like uh, working in a small consultancy firm, uh, having a small uh, employee strength and then, you know, suddenly you get a, a breakthrough in your career where you get a big opportunity working with a big brand like Framestore. So obviously I wanted to, you know have that exposure of working with a global team, you know, working with more more stakeholders, you know, interacting with managers in person and, you know, getting to know how how exactly it works. You know, being at studio and working over there is quite different than, you know, uh, being a extended recruitment arms is, is quite different.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Ash. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you say, it's a craft, isn't it? I mean, you have to, you know, the, the craft of recruitment is... No different to almost the craft of working on those shots. You know, there's so much to talent acquisition. It's not just about, you know, shifting units, is it is. It's about making sure that you've got the right person, the right job. Because, it will, you know, to your point, Harsha, it's, it's a kind of life-changing gig working at a studio like Framestore. So you've got to give it the, the credence it deserves. So uh, thank you for that, both. So we're going to get into the, uh, the long-standing cheesy question now, Roxy, which is, what's the best thing about being part of Framestore? Do tell.
1: It's the Melbourne team. Yep. Um, for me, the administration team that I'm a part of, they're very approachable, easy to talk to. Our meetings, are, they're very business-related, but they're also not. There's a lot of uh, light talk to it. There's, You just kind of feel like nobody's living and breathing their job. There's something outside of it as well. It's yeah. It's a very Australian atmosphere. I found coming from London to Australia, everybody gets the job done but at the end of the day there's still other things happening outside of work
0: <laughs> yeah yeah there's more, there's more to life right it comes up a lot on the part yeah. of people use the term we're not saving we're not saving lives or we're not saving babies you know we're uh yeah we're making cool we're making cool stuff uh but yeah again yeah there's life happens as well but yeah the people comes up a lot in that answer and it's uh and, and rightly so how about you harsh how have you found what, what's the best thing about working at Framestone and buy similar or different
2: Yes, so it's for me, it's frame store, Mumbai, like and the whole studio setup, the work culture, the the people, the the team which I have under me, like feeling very great to have such team members and mm. people around me always you know ready to guide me. and also like you know our cafeteria is quite good enough at
0: Mumbai. yeah the leg- the legend of the Mumbai can cafeteria. I've heard all about it. it sounds amazing. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into food later on the podcast, but I want to get into uh, the shows now, Roxy. Um, And this is, uh, I I need to reword this question. The question is, if you could recommend one show that showcases Framestore at its best, what would it be? I like to call this the show you'd show to an alien. You know, what's the one show that says, this is what we do. Here you go. Watch this.
1: I feel like everyone says this, but for me, whenever... I, I've watched Framestore from afar, and it's been a company I've always wanted to work at. Um, and it's just Paddington Bear for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just love it. It's 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 also the sort of Britishness of the beginning of the company as well. Um, so it for me, like coming from South Africa and different countries, there's that sort of English British culture that comes through and when I watch something like Paddington Bear it just reminds me of talking to my grandmother and things like that so it, it's just um yeah it's a, it's probably what a lot of people say but yeah Paddington Bear
0: yeah <laughs> but, yeah you almost identify a bit with Paddington Bear as well with all the, the, the travel that's in you Roxy
1: yeah and but the other side of it is uh looking at the background that is Framestore Melbourne um you know the Mad Max movie um, mm. that they produce and the, the the relationship they built with George Miller at the time like that's something I, I watched quite closely so yeah. you know that's the the Melbourne history side of it as well
0: yeah that's a great shout that's a great shout two great movies for sure two very different movies and when you say Paddington are you going Paddington 1 or Paddington 2?
1: Uh, 1 but yeah I do love 2 but yeah 1's got a special place in my heart
0: yeah 2, two is great right it's kind of like the uh, you know the, the classic kind of sequel is arguably better than the first one. You know, it's kind of the Godfather yeah. Two syndrome. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but yeah, you can't be the first one, can you? It's just such a lovely, lovely tale and uh, and a great showcase for all the creature work, as we say a lot on the podcast as well. Is the yes. uh, the flagship uh, the flagship show uh, for, for that kind of work? Yeah. Um, great, great call. Thank you. Uh, any any honourable mentions? Harsh, you, you want to share there? Any big frame? What would be the big frame store show for you that you'd uh, show put in front of a alien?
2: I, for me, it will be the Little Mermaid. Like, oh, okay. yeah, I oh, did. Up to I did like the work all overall. We like our, probably our Mumbai studio got more chance to work on it. That's true. So yeah. it's like you know a a great achievement for us. So for me, it's like a great movie, nice. and obviously marvels are always on on the top. Spider-Man, No Way Home. Oh, yeah, we all have a bit of Marvel, don't we?
0: Yeah. But yeah, I love your example about Little Mermaid because it's not just about the film, but it's what it means to the Mumbai studio because it's a big, big show. For Framestore globally, but actually for the, Mumbai, the Mumbai studio being such a new studio, you know, so many uh, team members from the, the, the Mumbai studio on that very long list at the end of the movie.
2: Yeah.
1: So many stories, I can imagine. Whenever you have a show, there's always stories attached to them. It's like a little culture that you create around every movie.
0: Yeah, you hear that a lot about the, I mean, I've, you know, you know, I've heard about it through lots of conversations on the podcast and outside of the podcast about how each show is almost like a family unit because you're working on it for so long. I mean, Scullop, uh, which was the code name for, for um, or the working name for Little Mermaid, was just boun- bouncing around the building way before I joined, you know, it was this kind of show that just run and run and run. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, an incredible piece of work as well. I got to take my little boy to it and uh, we, had a, we had we had a good time. Watching the Little Mermaid, it was wicked. So, yeah, two great examples Paddington and, uh, and Little Mermaid, and of course, honorable mention to Mad Max Fury Road, which is a absolute bona fide classic. Um, so, moving into some role related questions now, Roxy. Um, this is one of my kind of favorite questions uh, Is uh, we're talking common myths. So, what is a common myth about your job, role, or field of expertise? What do people often get wrong?
1: Um, I, th- I thought about this one a lot. I think that people don't think we look at their applications. Oh, yeah. What we do, we look at absolutely every application. The hard thing is, it is a set of dominoes in recruitment. So you might be you might not be the right person for that role and the reason that we're not getting in touch with you yet is that there's a possibility you might be fitting into a different role that's not quite approved yet or we're keeping your mind for another production and it's hard to get in touch with absolutely everybody and try and get their hopes up because all the dominoes and all the timings have to align so I think it's it's a myth that you feel like you're you're almost getting ignored with your application but every recruiter has a full view of what's going on they they get it they look after that position that they're looking for and you know what 9 times out of 10 if you reached out to them on linkedin and say hey did you get my application they will reach out back to you mm-hmm. um you know it depends on the size of what they're going through they do get a lot of applications for certain different roles that have more candidates for it but i think the biggest myth is that um you know you've put in the application and that's that and you get ignored i think if you also instigate more communication you will get more communication
0: yeah gone are the days where you just fire off i um, mean you, you touched on it earlier you fire off just send a cv to everyone you know back in the day i'd be like looking the, the 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 envelopes and shoveling my, my cv into hundreds of letters and just hopefully something will stick right but i think now yeah. you've got the benefit of Platforms like LinkedIn, where you can follow up, you can check in, you can build relationships, you can build rapport digitally without necessarily just sitting and waiting for the phone to ring or the, your email to ping. You know, so I think uh, that's nice to hear. I think a lot of people will appreciate that because there is an assumption that actually, yeah, your your CV just lands on a, a pile of unread CVs or, or reels. You know, the uh, the VFX equivalent yeah. is. You know, and what do with the real, um example actually uh one question i'll ask you when you get people's reels do you watch the whole reel or do you just watch the first bit
1: i do watch the whole i am one who watches the whole reel um i will say though that i am not the head of say creature yeah. so i only know what i know yeah, and cool. there's you know certain things you're looking for it's hard with reels because A lot of studios haven't released the footage, so there are old things within your reel. So if your reel is really old, if it's older than three years, then do try and make that effort to get those clips. And if you can't, then try and describe them, or even if you are of, say, a lower mid-level, maybe do a test project at home that can show off your skills, because it really is the sticking point within a reel of, you know, showing it to a supervisor. That's the one thing that they'll look through and say yes or no to really. So if there's some promising stuff on there, which you would get from a personal project, it's great. But just having the excuse of saying, you know, I've been at X or Y studio that doesn't release reels. And it's hard, you know, it's really about the, you know, the bigger company that is Supporting your company that will say yes or no to that release of a reel, um, well, the release of shot work, um, but it's working your way around that. So, yeah, I do watch the whole thing, um, but yeah, it's whether or not it goes onto the soup, then it's those factors of yeah. trying to just include more up to date stuff.
0: Yeah, I guess the message in all of that is just like uh, when you submit anything for a role is to kind of sit tight. Yeah, you you you'll get to it. Cause there's a lot, right? You must get so many applications for for roles at Framestore. Yeah, be crazy. Particularly in Melbourne, I imagine there's quite a buzzing in in, uh, in Australia about Framestore rocking up.
1: Yeah. It's doing really well. Um, it is funny because Australia is—it's a very small industry in some ways compared to like London or, or Canada. So it's it's very much just trying to work out all the work at the moment. There are some big studios that have opened at the same time as us. Um, yeah, so there is there's that side of it, but it's also quite good because everyone kind of knows everyone, and and Method also has that really good standpoint as well to move Framestore into that. So it's yeah, we do get some really good. Uh, cover letters from people who are like, yay you're Store." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do enjoy a good cover letter. Yeah, um, yeah we can talk about CV advice later. Like yeah. I, I, I'm a sucker for a good uh, bit of CV uh, advice, which you might get into with your careers advice question. Not that I'm asking you any leading questions here, but <laughs> I'm going to get into the next question, Roxy, which is uh, getting into lessons learnt. Now, what's the most important lesson you've learnt over your career to date?
1: I think that it. Visual effects, I've got. I probably got this answer for a couple of the next questions. But VFX is a global industry, mm-hmm. but it's a small industry. Um, so you want to do a good job at your job. You want to make sure you make friends with everyone. You want to, you know, network with everybody. But you also want to make sure you don't upset people. Because it is all of that, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? Um, I've been in the industry for well, uh, getting out 10-ish years maybe I was at the middle for seven yeah probably about 10 years and uh it is tiny I mean you think about it as being a small industry and also a fairly new industry when you think about it as well like it's only really been around this part of 30 years you know it's not a long time as industries go and I still think we're learning a lot about how to particularly within teams like recruitment teams learning teams you know the the kind of infrastructure teams rather than kind of the traditional artist producers you know delivering the incredible work actually how we operate as businesses because uh, it was the wild west back in the day when when, when all of these uh these studios set up and we forget that because it is this global global industry and you see the work and it's like whoa it's like of the worldly, isn't
2: it yeah
1: you still have things like you're still talking to governments about visa structures and visa names yeah. to get people across and then there's other things like jargon it's just what yeah, people yeah. are called, you know, because there are pipeline TDs, then there are department TDs, and then especially in creature, which I've spent a lot yeah. of my career in. There's character artists, there's character effects artists, there's creature artists, and if you you can kind of yeah. go onto LinkedIn and message a character artist, and then realize actually you're a modeler, not a, <laughs> a yeah. creature artist. So it's yeah, there's a lot to it that you can learn a lot really quickly <laughs>
0: and all the job titles mean different things in different studios I find they do. Like a creative yeah. director in one studio can be completely different or art director. what's the difference between art director and creative director and then you've got cg soups and vfx soups and it's, yeah yeah it's quite a, a hodgepodge of uh, roles and uh, and jargon absolutely and also kind of the the work I do with access vfx and the the outreach work that I do is you know trying to kind of sell in the idea of you know working in visual effects is a proper proper job, you know, proper, yeah. you know, craft that you can learn and do very well in, you know, and, and create a bit of diversity of applicants that way as well. And it's a huge issue in the UK. I don't know what it's like in I know a bit about what it's like in Melbourne and, and, and India, but not usually is that you've got parents who are like, Why on earth would my child apply to be a computer generated artist, you know, or you know, CG thing or, you know, it just doesn't feel like a proper job, you know. Yeah. I'd rather they be doctors and nurses and nothing wrong with those careers either but
1: it's almost like you have to know someone to go into it really it's any kind of career yeah. you know it's there's a percentage of people that only go into a career because they've known or known someone who's been in that industry so exactly. it's opening up the post-production world which is what i thought it was going to uni yeah. i was never taught about cgi or visual effects so oh, i was no, on set production you know I did major in cinematography and producing but this you know I, I went out of uni thinking post-production was you know the this big line on my budget sheet yeah. <laughs> there yeah. was, but now you think about it there's actually 60 lines in oh, it that right. you need it's,
0: it? <laughs> it is, it's, it's crazy yeah mm-hmm. a, a massive challenge trying to I don't know just just edu- re- re-educate the, uh, the educators uh, yeah. in, in the UK, the I mean, there's so many, a lot of the software that we work with, or at least the principles we work with in um, on the artist side, it's all taught in schools, but there's no bridge to industry. You know, like a Python code is is on the curriculum in the UK, but there's nobody there going, hey, you know that code you are learn, and you can apply that to this industry, and you can work on these amazing Marvel movies and these amazing okay. sh- shows. It's just not there, it's crazy it's bonkers anyway I'm in danger of getting on my usual soapbox here Roxy so I'm going to move into the next question which I'll, I'll leap you in on too harsh I'm because I'm keen to hear about your mentors and Roxy the question is who has been your most important professional mentor you can add a few if you want I know you, you listen to the Russell episode where he talks about micro mentors so you can have a few notables in there if you want
1: you, you do have some key ones throughout your life obviously um I must say, though, my ex-boss at Animal Logic, Matt Jones, uh, he has been my mentor in life and at work for the last six oh, yes. years. So he's brilliant. You we'll need one of them. Yeah. And then Caitlin Proctor, who was one of the artist managers, who became my artist management supervisor at Animal as well. You know, just the time and effort put into supporting me and moving my career forward was amazing.
0: That's all it takes, isn't it?
1: Just yeah. Time,
0: make time, availability is one of the key principles of mentoring, isn't
1: it? It definitely is. I think with mentoring as well, it's also having those people to aspire to as well and, and look look at and look at their careers and go actually this might be a career path for me that I'm interested in um, I used to think Jen Conorado at, at, at ILM, that's what I wanted to do but I don't think I could work with concept artists now that I know more and more about it yeah. um, so it's just having those inspirational people in your life that you look at and, and can ask the questions and not being afraid to ask the questions as well because I think for a time even though Matt's the most lovely person in the world. I was always pretty reserved with asking that question of what to do next, and as soon as I did, mm. it opened up a big
0: window. Yeah, having that permission to ask questions, almost. Uh, yeah. yeah. And almost humanizing those inspirational, aspirational mentors, because sometimes we have those people in our lives. Like, oh my god, they're these incredible, you know, pedest- high pedestal folk. And yeah. as soon as you meet them, and they make time, and they're available, and they give you advice, and they. They, they offer vulnerability about their challenges and struggles then it, it makes it more attainable that makes sense that's the power yeah. of mentoring i think yeah definitely super cool thank you roxy what about you harsh who would you cite as being one of your uh, mentors uh, to date in your career
2: so my previous founder of company was like a uh, quite good mentor where she you know um, gave me a chance to you know lead a project into vfx and who, who all who taught me like a proper like how the pipeline works like i didn't i didn't know anything about vfx but she made me explain she she thought that i'm capable enough to get into that role and she took me into the project and currently, also like you know, as a as a junior, you are never you know satisfied with the knowledge. You are always open to take advices from anyone. Yeah. It's just not about manager or anyone. It's like even a senior or someone who is you know a bit experienced than you, like open for always. Like uh, somebody feels that I need to uh grow on that point. I'm always open for that. So mentors are like everywhere. It's just like uh, where you take it. Like if you have that eagerness, you just go and ask them, you know, like, how is it this working? How is that working? Yeah. That way, like I'm and over here also like manager Nikon is like quite, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, open apart from recruitment. Uh, he helps us with other tips as well, like communications and uh, email and, you know, the the basic things apart from recruitment. Know that's even good. Like it's not just about recruitment, but how we how we talk, how we communicate with our stakeholders and everything. Of that, that,
0: the human skills, the pipeline skills, and then you can get to the recruitment skills eventually. Get the foundations laid first. I love that. Yes. Awesome. Shout out Nikunj. Brilliant. Some great, great examples. Some cool people there. Thank you. So uh, one of my favorite questions coming up next really uh, is. the one around underrated tools, because we all have these. And what what do you consider, Roxy? And anything goes with these questions, by the way. You don't have to pick a kind of frame store ordained kind of you know product. But uh, what underrated tool or tools are indispensable for you to get the shop done?
1: I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to Excel spreadsheets.
0: Yeah, oh, really. You wanna you one of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like to create people databases and (laughs) mess around with formulas and, you know, conditional formatting and, you know, Excel is, is my life. It's only because like recruitment software is great and it gets everything across in the right realm. Um, But, you know, in some cases, just being able to look at an entire team with your own sort of thoughts attached to it as to where you were at and what you were trying to do is quite quick and easy. Okay. Um. Yeah. Excel. So
0: Excel. Excel. <laughs> other other spreadsheet tools are available, but you are going with Microsoft Excel. Yes.
1: Yeah. Through and through. Do you
0: use it for your? um I know you do your. We touched on the film challenges that you still do. I believe you started off back in the day doing film challenges. Yeah. and Do you use Excel for your? Your pulling those together.
1: Yes. I do. I knew it. I've got a content calendar.
0: Segway. Nice. <laughs> Tell me more then. Tell me more about these film challenges. I'm intrigued.
1: So. I am a perfectionist when it comes to making a movie and if I don't give myself a deadline, it doesn't get made, hence trying to make a Guinness World Record in 8 years and still nothing. But (laughs) I like to um, I started making films with 48 hour and 24 hour film challenges and that's kind of how I've made a complete product and loved them. So now I run my own challenges. Um, So I've got a a website called filmchampionships.com, no and anyone can go on and do an anytime challenge. So you sign up for the weekend whenever it's all automated for you. I do personally check it because I get the little notification saying, Oh, someone signed on. Um, and you can say turn a nursery rhyme into a two-minute video and you need to submit it to me within 48 hours so you're practicing your skills you're doing what you need to do and I give you inspirational little emails along the way and some resources so that's an anytime film challenge and then in my spare time I at Animal Logic, for instance, I ran a couple of film challenges as a creative release um, where people could win a a couple of awards and things for a short challenge to get out there and have a bit of fun. Um, And then this weekend, I was teaching a smartphone Fickerfest workshop, and I was pushing the guys to make a film by the 25th of June for their art center. (laughs) Um,
0: That's amazing. Yeah. How do you find the time, Roxy? I mean, I know you said earlier when you said you just had your your first child. Yes, yeah, first yeah, child. Yeah. yeah. First, first child, and and I get that you know when you have a kid because you know I'm saying my dad as well, you know that they take priority. But is the way you kind of say, well, they're one, they're one now, so now I can do all this amazing stuff. You're kind of almost kind of doing. How do you find the time <laughs> to still raise a baby? You know, one is still tiny and they still need you to doing all this cool stuff. I don't know. I think it's brilliant. It's really inspiring.
1: I, I, uh, my husband will probably tell you, I drive myself crazy. <laughs> um, but I, I do, I just, I'm passionate about it That's and right. I, I kind of live and breathe film. So the workshop I did on Saturday, I almost didn't have to prepare for it cause it was, you know, teaching kids and I love yeah. that. And I, I did that back with rural media that was my first job as an, a trainee right. and we went to so many different schools teaching them the core fundamentals of filmmaking and now you have this amazing thing in your pocket which I didn't have when I was 16 you were running around with big Sony's and things yeah, true. and you know you got no excuses yeah, so I teach people how to do it all for free yeah
0: it, do all the editing on your phone or your iPad or yeah
1: exactly That's so yeah. cool um yeah, so I'm hoping to try and branch out a bit and do a few more workshops in rural areas. Uh, I've always had the dream of moving my family into a van and doing the Loop of Australia and teaching people along the way. So I'll keep you posted. Great.
0: Yeah, please do. And the, the, uh, all, uh, do you publish the films that are made as part of the challenge on the website?
1: I haven't published them on the website. They're on the Facebook page, the people that accepted. Okay. Um, it has been a little slow because like I said, for the last year I've had my, my little boy, yeah. but um, a few people are submitting it more than anything. The exercises, if they need feedback, so mm. a lot of people will make the movie and then come back to me for feedback or, um, if it's a great movie, I've got a lot of festival connections now. Um, so I put them in touch with a festival like Short and Sweet or Smartphone Figure Fest and, and try and get them to submit to one of those. Because it's all about showcasing what you can do on a, on a festival stage and getting to know people. It's one of the best ways to network in our Page. industry.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, have you uh, introduced the challenges to the Framestore Melbourne community yeah.
1: Not, not yet.
0: Okay, <laughs> they'd have a great time.
1: I haven't quite unleashed the giant blanket of Roxy Brain. I <laughs>
0: yeah. imagine a film challenge would be a bit of a busman's holiday for uh, a, a VFX artist. <laughs> it would be super cool.
1: Yeah, they do. Whenever I ran them at Animal, it was a really beautiful experience. So, right. Yeah, I think at one point we were running around with bins and putting googly eyes on them. And then Amazing.
0: this is right my street, yes.
1: Some of the guys in the layout re-edited them to sort of be a little horror bin that goes up the That's corridor.
0: awesome. All right, okay. So Framestore yeah. Melbourne, if you're listening, I'm sure you've already kind of <laughs> pitched it, but yeah, we need to bring the full the full Roxy profit to uh to Framestore Melbourne. Maybe even yeah. Framestore Global. This is a great sounds like a great challenge. I'd love to have a crack at that. I can, um,
1: everything that I've done is written into sort of workshops. So you pass them along. Yeah. So I can, anyway, we did it in Vancouver as well. Oh, so I, the same weekend, we did Sydney in Vancouver. So, yeah. Cool.
0: All right. I'm going <laughs> to rein it in because this is very exciting for me. Um, so I want to, actually, you talked about feedback earlier. So I'm going to segue neatly into the next question, which is the advice piece, which is what, what piece of advice would you give someone starting out in your field? And it can be broad as well. It can be somebody trying to get into the visual effects industry. But actually, if there's anybody out there who's quite interested in getting into a a talent role, what advice would you give them?
1: So to start off in a recruitment um, or even a DM role... They're very admin-based, so having an admin background and a passion for film is what we're looking for, for, you know, roles like Herschel's and I's, you know. Um, I had a very admin-driven university career. You don't have to have studied film and television. I know people who studied marketing, and um, we've also... I also recently had someone who uh, used to work in a zoo and things like that. So, you know, it's really about the passion that you give off in your interview about wanting to, to get to know the film industry and doing your research. So I highly recommend watching the Penguins of Madagascar DreamWorks Pipeline Overview. Uh, on YouTube, it's a full overview of an animated feature, not a visual effects one, but it does go through every department and what the departments do in quite detail. Uh And it's really entertaining because it's the little Penguins of Madagascar that do it. Um, But understanding a little bit more about our industry, not just Mm -hmm. (laughs) post-production, not um, special effects. I think that's one thing I would have highly regretted in my old days of talking in an interview and saying, I'd love to be a part of special effects. But, you know, understanding the special effects is when you actually blow something <laughs> yeah, up and exactly. visual effects is when you create that on screen. Yeah, yeah. The
0: <laughs> terminology,
1: right. And then for an artist who's going to start, I think it's about building your network. So going to networking events in Sydney, there's the animation networking event that's being run once a month or um, just keep an eye on my LinkedIn at me. I, I share the posts all the time. And then it's not just doing your course as your demo. Do that personal project. And even if it's not great, it just shows that you've tried bouncing that ball. Mm-hmm. You've tried creating that tiger. You've built that model. You've you know, it's 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 having those that initiative to do something outside of the box and putting it into your demo reels so you have more to show.
0: Yeah. I will help you there <laughs> great great advice there and i love the idea of having your kind of passion projects your 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 creative side projects that are yours and yours only right that you, demonstrates yeah. passion and love for the art
1: it you will find an interview a lot easier because even in university if you did study a specific animation or visual effects course You're still also talking about how other people did other aspects and it can get a bit blurry. But if you talk about something you've produced and created, even if you've taken, if you're working in effects and you've taken an asset off the Houdini website or purchased something like that and then manipulated it, um, it's still something that you truly can talk through from start to finish.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Roxy. And, and harsh, I should ask you as well because you're new to industry. So, I mean, you talked to you talked to what Roxy talked about just now, which was you know, understanding the pipeline, and you, you did a bit of that in one of your earlier answers. What would be a piece of advice you'd give to somebody trying to break into the industry?
2: Yeah, so definitely, like uh, before interviewing someone, you should yourself understand like how the pipeline works and definitely the video which is recommended by roxy which is of you know a penguin showing of you know of madagascar showing all the pipeline properly that is definitely i would recommend because myself i have watched it and it's lovely like it's mm-hmm. it's quite basic into understanding you know where they have showed how the exact pipeline moves so you will get a better idea in terms of whenever you whenever you are talking to someone uh even if you watch a video you know you get you get a click in your mind that you know after this this department comes so yeah it's like you you are quite aware about it so before before hiring for something you should yourself understand what that person needs what our uh, supervisor or our managers need exactly yeah. so That's what it's a bit of research or, you know, just messing around with some videos. So that is like highly recommended. And definitely it would be, you know, a plus point in terms of your understanding as well. Cool. Thank you, Harsh.
0: Good, good advice both. So Roxy, what's, this is another favorite question. It's a great one, which is, uh, and I think there's probably quite a lot of questions I've asked you because you've got such a massive (laughs) bio, is what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? Um, Or did I absolutely knock it out of the park as always?
1: (laughs) I think you've already asked me the one I was thinking of earlier. (laughs) Um, I I think to help before the the previous question about you know advice, I think a question you could ask me is aside from say a film degree, which in my current career for a recruiting a VFX recruiter and before that an artist manager was not very useful (laughs) Uh, what other things would have been useful to me Mm. so uh, a couple of years ago I did an HR diploma with Ari in Australia and that really validated what I was doing every day and understanding that and it was a diploma it's not like it's a cert three or a degree or anything like that it's a very simple process but it still it also made me more attractive to other studios it's when I you know once I added that to my LinkedIn I seemed to get a lot more messages from other companies as well okay so I think it's like it's career pivoting and career changing mm. but also career development in that stage of you know evaluating what you've got and how you can enhance it
0: I love that yeah you're kind of al- always developing and growing aren't you like I love the idea of career yeah. pivoting and how there's not, n- nobody has a linear career path anymore. I think there's so many, yes. particularly we talked about our industry changing and shifting all the time. Like the industry I got into 10 years ago is completely different now. You know, we never had design teams and immersive teams and VR teams. It was just 2D, 3D production. Yeah. And that was, that was only 10 years ago. It's nuts when you think about it. That's not a long time, right? It's, uh, yeah. anyway, sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting carried away again. Sorry, Roxy.
1: No, it's, so it's, um. Something I'm very passionate about. I'm. <laughs> I don't know where I find the time, but I'm currently training to be a career coach. And I have no
0: idea where you find the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my friend and I are uh, starting a podcast where we're interviewing people in all walks of life of their Amazing. careers, from A to Z. Um, so anybody is interesting in what they do in their jobs. Right, um yeah. So we're yeah, we're just talking we talked to an author yesterday oh, right. who used to be a producer and four years ago just dropped everything and has now written four rom-com books and has okay. three released for the publisher and it's just about career pivoting and the 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 idea of actually moving into something you're interested in and i've seen doing it
0: something different yeah
1: i've seen it time and time again in our industry you know i i have a very good friend who used to he used to design shoes and now he's in Creature, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's an industry, you have so many different avenues of entering and so many choices. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I
0: love that. <laughs> and everybody's, everybody seems to have a secret skill or a secret kind of talent yeah. or a craft or, I hate the word hobby, sounds like you just, you know in a knitting circle do. but they exists, right I love that what's the name of your podcast
1: uh, it's going to be A to Z jobs but we are the going to be the career change dot com when Apparently. we're all set up and ready to go <laughs>
0: well, like you said don't know where you find the time Roxy but I'm, I'm definitely here for this yeah. podcast I'm going to be one of your early subscribers when it gets released uh, gets released. You be a guest <laughs> ooh, I'd love to be a guest don't get pleased yeah, <laughs> give me a microphone and I'm, I'm away but yeah thank you Roxy so, who would you like to hear on the podcast and why? So, who, who would you like to hear, you know, taking on the Frame Store dailies going forward?
1: I I haven't been here long enough to put anyone under the bus. <laughs> <It's> under <laughs> the <makes> bus? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know, if people get nervous about I talking know, and getting I know, involved. Yeah. I hear that. Um, I so there's two. Like, I think that my boss Lindsay would make a brilliant guest and she has a beautiful story. And then Kara Littler, who's a department manager. I used to work with her at Animal. She has a wonderful story also about career pivoting and changing, going from one you know, starting off in VFX, going into a different industry and coming back out to it. And then even getting Simon.
0: Yeah. Simon on board.
1: Because the one thing I love is his energy and the way that he, he makes Framestore Melbourne. It's just how, yeah. you know, you sit in a meeting with him and he's so down to earth and so honest and just just easy to talk to. And I think he'd be brilliant.
0: You know what, Simon would be a great shout because we do, uh, early this year, we did uh, some leadership specials at the start of the year to almost review the year that's gone and look ahead to the year that's uh, coming. And actually, Simon, now that you know, Melbourne will be well established by the end of the year, could be great for one of our New Year specials. So, Simon Rosenthal, if you are listening, which I'm sure you are, because he has uh, noted that we (laughs) don't have a lot of uh, Melbourne special guests, so it's happening. Um, Simon, I'll be coming for you. Definitely. That's a great shout.
1: I think also Liv Porter, because her role is... Really interesting. Um, it's an up-and-coming role in the industry. It's communications. It's event organisation. It's something I would have applied for yeah. if I'd started in the industry.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Harsh? Anybody you'd like to put forward or throw under the bus, as
2: Roxy has said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would like to have guest Nikunj. Ah, Nikunj. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He. he, he, he he has amazing stories and you know the experience he has it's like one would love to understand from him like you know it's like great journey for him all right Nikunj. excellent Nikunj, i'm coming for you too at some point in the
0: next six months at least we have a bit of a stockpile to get through but it will happen for sure okay before we close the the doors on uh part one of this uh, excellent melbourne special um i'm gonna get into the the, the reason why people tune into this podcast, really, which is the culinary question, which is, um, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, Roxy, what would it be?
1: Steak, cheese sauce, and chips, but it has to be my spicy cheese sauce. Oh,
0: tell me more. What goes into that?
1: Or is that a secret like, <laughs> ah, family a recipe? Of... That no. <laughs> it's a bit of everything. It's a packet cheese sauce, which is cheating. Um, but it's got lots, of, it's got like Nando's puri-puri in it, some uh, English mustard, lots of salt, pepper, some sweet chili sauce. Um,
0: nice.
1: Yeah, that with garlic chips. So the chips have to be handmade, um, boiled, and then put in an air fryer with garlic, salt, and then covered in a little bit of paprika and chili powder. That sounds
0: powder. delicious. So you, pimp, you yeah. pimp up the packet sauce, basically.
1: Yeah, basically. Oh, sounds yeah. Delicious. How
0: do you have your steak?
1: Medium rare. Oh, yeah, luckily now, because while I was pregnant, it had to be well.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That's a bit boring, isn't it? Oh, sounds nice. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just gone nine o'clock here in the UK. Is it wrong to be kind of craving steak now at this time in the morning? I haven't even had my the well, oats.
1: You have to go to Flat Iron if you've never been. Oh,
0: been Flat Iron. Like, just for me. Yeah, I'll do yeah. that next time I'm in Flat Iron. I'll raise a I'll <laughs> raise a a steak to you, to you maybe a beer <laughs> sounds good amazing thank you thank you thank you roxy what about you harsh uh what's your go-to uh dish uh one meal you you could eat for the rest of your life is it from the uh the canteen at framestorm Mumbai
2: yeah so i would say um you know in india like you almost have uh spices and you know spice food in almost every dish so, I would recommend you know the biryani. There is a dish Lucky called right. biryani, yeah, and it's one of my favorites as well. <laughs> it's like if you have a chicken biryani, it's like uh, even if you have a, a a long day and you if you have it at the end of the day, it's like you know you feel like you yeah, you, you are like, satisfied right it's now. It's like having a nice
0: cuddle at the end of the day, having a biryani. My uh, it's, it's my my, my go to is always biryani every, every time I go, to y- restaurant. yes. It's uh, yeah, chicken tikka biryani every time to the point of boredom for my wife. And she's, she's Mauritian Indian. And she's like, come on, there's so much cool stuff here. I'm like, no, biryani, <laughs> bring it on. I like to sample them all. Great, great. Really good answers, guys. I'm, I'm salivating. I was thinking about both of these, but before I actually let you both go, um, I wanted to get some additions to our frame store podcast playlist. So we have the podcast dailies playlist on the go. We've got about four hours worth of, uh, Audio content from all of our folks, you know, and it's essentially the music you listen to while you work. So, can you give me one or two tracks that I can add to the playlist, Roxy?
2: Oh, <laughs>
1: um, uh, drops to Jupiter by Train. Oh, That's my 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 wedding song. Um, and I want to be a millionaire or billionaire by uh, Bruno Mars.
0: <laughs> Lovely, so you've got some nice 90s nostalgia yeah. and obviously wedding nostalgia as well Yeah. <laughs> and bringing it bang up to date with a bit of Mr. Mars uh, Awesome, what about you Harsh, you got a good cool track for us to add to the playlist
2: Well, um, I would re- I would uh, listen to, you know I'm um, uh, like old hip hop so I would recommend, you know, e- Econ, you oh, know Econ, Lonely oh, or I want to get paid you know, it's like quite soothing oh, and nice. feels good
0: I'm here for the nineties hip hop heads. That's awesome. You're both speaking my language there with the tunes. Anyway, we're gonna park our episode here. Uh before we hand over to Harsh for part two, where we're gonna get into a deeper dive into the the wild and crazy world of talent acquisition and recruitment at Frame store So I'm gonna say thank you both. That was a wonderful conversation, and we'll see you again this Thursday. Amazing.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Nice one, thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having us. Well, that was part one. Join us for part two of the Framestore podcast this Thursday, where Harsh takes over proceedings as co-host and interviews Roxy. We'll see you then.